You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. And this is our weekly segment at the crib. Um, and it, it's FSU week, Frank, and it, it's it's the best time of the year uh, for most Hurricanes and Seminole fans. It's definitely a personal holiday in my perspective. And leading into this game, it, it's all about playing spoiler for the Hurricanes. FSU undefeated, well on their way to possibly making the playoff as they were ranked fourth last night in the you know, when they announced the polls or, or the positioning or whatnot. So it's a great opportunity for Miami to really kind of show that, you know, they are not who we think they are, or maybe they are who, I don't even know. Who are they? Who are they? Who is this team, Frank? Like, which team is going to show up? Which quarterback is going to show up? You know, like, I think that's kind of more the the real question, right? I mean, what are your thoughts really just kind of going into this game? I think that Miami has to take the same approach that they did going into the Clemson game. There was a two-game skid ahead of that Clemson game. They came in. It seemed like they were focused, seemed like they were ready. And obviously there was a different approach because Tyler Van Dyke wasn't the quarterback. I'm hoping that it's the same thing this week against Florida State. Because if we look at Florida State, Florida State has struggled at times this year. They almost lost to Boston College. They struggled against Clemson. They struggled last week. Granted, I know Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman both didn't play, but they did only win that game, what, 24-6, to 24-7. So overall, I don't think that this is a dominant team. This isn't Georgia or somebody along those lines. They are one of the best teams in the country. Jordan Travis is a Heisman Trophy candidate. We know he's a very good football player. But this isn't a team that has been built through recruiting or dominated really at any point this season against elite competition, right? We They beat an LSU team that had multiple suspensions and guys out for that game. Harold Perkins was playing out of position. That's really their signature win on the year. I think that anytime you go into a rivalry game as well, things are almost equal, right? It, things get a little bit more downplayed. Be, the differences aren't as different because there's emotion tied in. And this is going to be a game where there's a hundred prospects in attendance. You know, it's going to be a sold out crowd. Things are going to be crazy. Yeah. Plus it's not a night game. And I would not be surprised if FSU is looking at Miami coming off a really bad loss against NC state as Miami ain't ready for this. So listen, there's an opportunity here to change the season if you beat Florida State, you have a chance to not only change the prospects of what the end of the season results can be, because if you're 7-3 and three with a win against FSU, a top four team in the country, you're going into Louisville really confident, and then you're obviously going into Boston College real confident with a chance to get to 10 wins by the end of the year. So overall, and then obviously you you, you got to put in the factor of recruiting. If you beat Florida State at Doak, in front of 100 of the best players in the country, including Jeremiah Smith, who's the number one target for pretty much everybody in college football, you're you're doing some big things. So who is FSU? 
think FSU is a team that is beatable by the Miami Hurricanes, but they got to play a perfect game. And Tyler Van Dyke cannot be the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Van Dyke is, is the main reason for Miami's struggles in their losses this season. Let's just be honest about it. And now there's questions about, you know, if he is going to be the QB for Miami going forward and in this next game. Miami has struggled like mightily um, offensively, especially in the last game. I mean, it, it was just a, a slugfest, albeit, yeah, NC State has a great defense or whatnot, and, you know, they've beaten some good teams along the way, but Miami's got to be able to score in the red zone, and they were unable to do that. And Tyler Van Dyke, the guy just doesn't seem right, Frank. He, he just doesn't seem, like, confident anymore. It, it's, it's like he... He has these early interceptions in games. Like he's had an early interception against Georgia Tech, Virginia. And from that point forward, NC State. And from that point forward, it's like, okay, it, it's just an a, a avalanche of bad throws from, from that point forward. I think I already know where you're going to go go in this question, but – does Miami start Tyler Van Dyke in this game or should they go with Emory Williams or, you know, do a two quarterback combination of Williams and, and Brown? I love the idea of a two quarterback combination that is not Tyler Van Dyke. And I think, <laughs> I think to kind of rally the troops and get everybody back to the confidence that they had at the beginning of the year, you do got to make a change and, and you almost have to set the tone and saying that the best guys you're going to play here at the University of Miami, Tyler Van Dyke is not that right now. I don't know if he's injured, but we're seeing the same Tyler Van Dyke from 2022 rather than what we saw in 2021. And going into, like, outside of that Texas A&M game, it hasn't been great. <laughs> it really hasn't. Even against a group of five competition, he's been solid at points, but not incredible. And listen, the air raid concepts that we were kind of sold on at the beginning of the year haven't been totally utilized up until this point. Is that because Tyler Van Dyke is holding back the scheme? It could be, but I do see some components of the power spread that Mario wants to utilize still being pushed through this Shannon Dawson offense. So I just don't think it works for Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, he, he loves to lock on to that number one receiver. He doesn't really go through his reads when he makes a bad decision or a turnover. It seems like the body language is just totally off and he shuts down when it was Emory Williams in there. It wasn't like that. Did he look scared at times? Absolutely. As an 18 year old kid. But when they came down to, to the nitty gritty, Emory Williams just dropped his cojones. It was, it was like he was ready for the moment. And it wasn't like that with Tyler Van Dyke when they were in the red zone or they needed a big play or they needed a drive to make something happen. Could you – is it all on Tyler Van Dyke? No, they missed the field goal, right? They didn't score in the red zone. Cam McCormick misses that block on that goal line play. Mark Fletcher didn't break a tackle right there. It, guys had drops. Uh, guys didn't get open. I know all those things. But great quarterbacks can take you to a place that average guys can't. And, and they 
kind of raise up everybody around him. I haven't seen Tyler Van Dyke really do that this year. And I feel like that the team rallies around Emory Williams. And a thing that I felt like we were missing, if you put Jakari Brown in there in the red zone and you're running him and Mark Fletcher, who do you stop, right? You, you, you can't – like there's no threat of a run from Tyler Van Dyke at all. So when you're doing read option and RPO concepts, there's no threat of the quarterback to really run. When you have, even Emory Williams has a little bit of mobility to him. We saw him move around, make plays, move the pocket. Tyler Van Dyke does none of that. He tripped on himself in that last game and got his sack. It was embarrassing. You talk to recruits, there's worries. There's worries. Is Miami going to latch on to itself, latch latch itself on to Tyler Van Dyke because of NIL or the fact that he's a veteran? Those things got to go out the window. It, those things got to end. If, if you're trying to change a culture, you have to prove that not only is negative plays going to have a consequence, when a guy is not ready to play, you got to take him out. And we see on defense them do that time and time again. We we see rotations heavy all over the field. Keontre Smith yeah. has a personal foul in, in, in a game, right? He doesn't play on defense at all lately. Yeah. It, 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 there's consequences for your actions, right? Yeah. If, if Cam Kitchens does messes up, we see Jaden Harris going there, right? When we if they're if one of the cornerbacks mess up, we see Devontae Brown or Damari Brown going there. It, it, for me, it's it's kind of it's really frustrating to watch Tyler Van Dyke go in there, and no matter what he does, he stays. And I know you don't want to rotate your quarterbacks, really, but Emory Williams won that game against Clemson. Did the defense do an excellent job? Was the running game really good? Yes. But he put the team in position to win. He made clutch throws. That fade ball that he threw in the red zone, like those were huge plays. And I felt like – I feel like Tyler Van Dyke is holding the offense back. We don't see him taking those shots downfield anymore. We don't see him making those – those timely throws. And even when he locks onto somebody, he's not really taking chances. He looks scared in the pocket. And for a guy who's going into, what is it, his fourth year, fifth year in the program, you, you can't be that type of player anymore. And, and Miami is at a fork in the road. You are 6-3, and three, which is not bad. It's been a solid season overall for Miami. you got a win against Clemson and a win against Texas A&M, which should put you in the plus. But then you lost games against NC State and Georgia Tech. The North Carolina game, we can chalk up to them just being a better team that week. But yeah. Tyler Van Dyke is the reason, the sole reason that Miami is six and three and not eight and one right now. Absolutely. Uh, whether if he would tripped over his own feet or uh, you know one of the linemen tripped, he doesn't move enough. You know, he doesn't move enough in the pocket, and I, I think the. The the tape is out on Van Dyke. These defenses, they know. Okay, we're we're just gonna drop eight against Tyler Van Dyke, and he's gonna get greedy, and he's gonna throw a ball that we are going to have a chance to intercept. And that's been the formula, and it's worked. And when you see that as a quarterback, you have to do two things. You either have to, well, three things. You can check it down, right, or you can run the football like like you know, you, you were alluding to, or you have to make a really accurate throw. 
in, in order to fit it fit it into uh windows and he can't do either any of those things i mean he started to be you know started to check down a little bit in the last game but he needed to run a little bit more when you're showing that that type of defensive front it's just and I think that's the main issue for me. I think Tyler Van Dyke, he is not reading the defense. He's not reading the defense to to the point where he's taking what the defense gives him and he's making the safe throw. That's not what he's doing. And with an Emory Williams, who's you know still kind of wet behind the ears when it comes to quarterback play, all he will do is take the defense, take what the defense gives him. He's not going to take these risky throws, especially in a big game against Florida State. So I 100% agree with you about uh, Jakari Brown, though. That, I think that's a great point. With this running game moving the way it is, why not put a, a arguably the fastest player on the football team at the quarterback position? I mean, you run him with Fletcher or Parrish or Cheney or A.J. Allen – then it's going to be scary for the opposing defenses. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'd rather see Emory Williams. For, I mean, from what I've heard thus far, things could change, is that they're probably going to go with Tyler Van Dyke, but he's going to be on a short leash. That's what I'm kind of hearing. That's what I'm kind of hearing, but um, hopefully that changes within the next couple of days. You never know. Things do change. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that's – probably going to be what happens i mean it, it will be a scary situation for emory williams but i think it's more scarier for hurricanes fans to see tyler van dyke in that game my thing is you said it the tape is out on tyler van dyke you drop eight and don't put don't put your defense in a position where they have to run any man coverage and that's where tyler van dyke kind of succeeds he he can make he has the arm talent to expose guys in one-on-one coverage Right, he can make the throws. It's just when it is a tight throw and there's a chance that he doesn't see something else that's there, that's when he starts making mistakes. And when there's no threat for anybody to run at the quarterback position, you can just do that. And Miami's run game has worked almost every week. Even last week, I think Mark Fletcher had over 100 yards. He was the ACC rookie of the week. And even in a game where you were dominant, in the trenches in the run game with a freshman running back doing numbers and making huge plays and running people over and getting you first down. It wasn't like Miami wasn't moving the football. They just weren't capitalizing on scoring opportunities. And that's right. where Tyler Van Dyke failed the offense. And that's where I feel like Emory Williams can be fine. And it doesn't have to be something where you have to put so much pressure on Emory because he's shown he's good enough to make those throws. He's shown that he he's able to read the defense a little bit better than Tyler Van Dyke. We saw it in the spring game, right? Emory Williams, I don't think he had a single incompletion in the spring game. Granted, it was against backups, but we saw him go through his progressions. And listen, he might have the, the benefit of no bad habits in college yet because all he knows is Shannon Dawson's offense. Yeah. Tyler Van Dyke might be a broken a broken player because he's just seen so much. He's been through too much. Maybe that's what it is because there are times where Tyler Van Dyke is exceptional. We we, we do the TVD for Heisman thing, you know, almost all the time because right. we'll see these flashes of greatness. But it's like unless he's – unless it's just kind of put on a silver platter for him where 
Xavier Strepo's wide open or Jacob. I mean, there were even times last week where I feel like he missed Jacoby George wide open. And, and, and it was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch. I, I, I just feel like if they go into Tyler Van Dyke in this game, it's like they're almost punting on the chance to beat Florida State because they don't want to burn Emory Williams' red shirt. And I don't know if Jakari Brown wants to play. If that's what it is, then I understand. But at the same time, like, Tyler Van Dyke does not give you the best chance to win. He doesn't. Talent-wise, yeah. But, you know, it, it's time and time again, he, he's been a turnover machine. We call him turnover Van Dyke for a reason. He, he, he just is not making it happen. And I don't know if it's because he's not healthy right now. Or it's because now people know the Shannon Dawson offense at Miami or what, but it is not working. And I really hope that going into this game, they're just trying to, you know, kind of, you know, put something over the face of Florida State to where they don't know what's going to come. But there needs to be a change made. And I feel like you're going to signal to recruits that you're kind of punting on this game if you do. Because if they get blown out in Doak, right? Like we saw, you know, Not what was like, fifth, like if you lose bad, if you lose by 28 or more, it's going to be a bad look that you went with Tyler Van Dyke. It, it's just, it is what it is. Just the fact that it, things opened up at like 15, a 15 point spread is already a really bad look. That is a huge spread in a game that is a rivalry game. I, I, I mean, I hope that they make a change. I really do. Well, we will see what happens on Saturday evening. Another thing I wanted to talk about before we kind of dive into the game is that Rashard Smith, where is he at? I mean, he was, he's been spectacular when he has the ball in his hands. He's already run a kick back for a touchdown. Um, he had a really long run out of the backfield. He's been solid catching the football as well. But for the last two games, he's been – Invisible, no touches, no offensive touches. You think that that's something that changes in this game against FSU? I hope so. I, but I hope they don't do it at the expense of Mark Fletcher. We're seeing Mark Fletcher really grow into his own early in the process. I we talked about it before the season. I think he has the potential to be a Reuben Bain type player as a freshman on the offense, and we saw that last week. So maybe less touches at running back for Brashard Smith, but maybe you utilize some two back stuff with Brashard Smith as a receiver out of the backfield and just try to get him in a space because listen, Tyler Van Dyke was an issue last week, but the other issue was there were times guys just did not get open. And we know that Jacoby George is a good route runner. Sure hands. He's a playmaker. Xavier Strepo elite routes. He's, uh, he's a reliable guy in the slot. And Colby Young is is a big target who can make plays over the top. And he's even been utilized in the screen game a little bit and looked pretty good. But none of them have the game-breaking ability of Brashard Smith. You put the ball in this kid's hands, and he gets a crease, he is gone. And, and I hope that they're able to utilize that a little bit this week. There should be no reason that a guy who's been as productive as he has on a touch-by-touch -touch basis, that he's not getting any looks in this offense. And I don't know if it's because Tyler Van Dyke ain't going through the reads, which is something that we've talked about time and time again. But Brashard is a playmaker. And I know he's not your prototypical receiver. He, he's never been that. We, 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 that's why we were happy to see him at running back a little bit. But overall, you yeah. got to get him involved in some way, shape, or form. Because 
every drive can't be eight to 12 plays. That's not, you're never going to win that way because teams are going to also make plays. NC State was one of the best defenses in the country, and they have a tough mentality from Dave Doreen, who is one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion. Do they win national championships? No, but they are all, they knock off Florida State on almost an annual basis. They fight Clemson tough even when they're at their best, and then they knocked off Miami when Miami was a favorite. So there's going to be tough teams that you play, and you can't just try to pound it down their throat all the time. Sometimes you got to try to use what you have in an explosive player like Brashard Smith. And I hope that he's get, he gets re you know instituted back into the offense, kind of how we saw A.J. Allen. Remember, we were asking where was A.J. Allen for a long time. And then he came in right. and obviously, you know, did his thing, you know, over a few game stretch. But uh, I hope the same thing happens with, with, with Brashard because guys like A.J. Allen and Brashard Smith and Mark Fletcher – have to be part of this offense. You cannot go back to what we looked like last year in 2021 where it's, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust and hope Xavier Strepo makes a play because it doesn't work. Absolutely. Bouchard Smith still leads the nation in kickoff returns with a 32.9 average. So definitely the explosive list is there. Definitely will be needed against Florida State. So let's dive into the keys to the game against Florida State. It's going to be a hostile environment, of course, uh, so they're going to have to deal with the crowd noise. Uh, Florida State and Miami are, are somewhat even when it comes to statistics across the board. Uh, Florida State and Miami, uh, Florida State 39th and third down percentage, Miami 40th. Uh, Florida State is 33rd in total defense. Miami's actually 19th, so Miami advantage there. Uh, Florida State with the advantage in total offense. Florida State 17th, Miami 31st. And then rushing offense, Miami leads there as well. 39th of FSU's 57th. FSU dominates in passing offense, though. Uh, 18th to Miami's 40, 41st. Miami... Uh, against the run is eighth in the nation to Florida State's 57. So that that's, tells me all of those stats that this is a winnable game. <laughs> you know, this is a winnable game because, like you said, Florida State, yeah, they're number four in the country, but, you know, their schedule is not really that great or, or, for, or the teams that they've beaten – not really that that great. I mean, the teams that they had trouble with, Boston College has six wins. That's a decent team. And, of course, LSU is a decent team as well, and I believe they're also six and three at, at this point as well. So that's the same record Miami has. So that kind of tells you right there that this is this shouldn't be a blowout. I think the only way it becomes a blowout is if, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, throws up all over himself and turns the ball over, um, you know, three, four times. Um, I think if this is an even game turnover rise, this, this should be an even game. So with that being said, I think Miami has to dominate time, time of possession, run the ball efficiency. Cause that's, that's your strength based on the uh, statistics here. And you, you just have to control that passing game, you know, force third and laws and get off the field. What say you as far as keys to the game for Miami? Oh, I think the same thing. I think you got to come into this game with the Clemson strategy 
it's got to be dominate the run game, continue to play really good defense, and do not turn the ball over. If you don't turn the ball over, you got a chance against Florida State. They do have athletic guys in the back end of their defense. We're starting to see Conrad Hussey kind of emerge a little bit. They do have some really good players on the back end, like Kevin Knowles and, and people like that. But overall, I, I think that you got to just be able to – Miami on defense has to be able to stop the passing game. I, I'm not – Trey Benson, yes. he's a good player. I'm not terrified of Trey Benson. This is not last year's defense. Uh, overall, Miami has been dominant in the run game. They haven't allowed pretty much, really anybody except for uh, North Carolina to gash them. Um, I know last week that there were some big runs at the end of the game, but at some point your defense is going to break. <laughs> it's just what it is. It, at some point, a team is going to make a play in college football. If you hold somebody to 20 points, you had an ultra, ultra successful game plan on defense. So they just got to keep doing what they're going to do in regards to the run game. Passing game, Miami is one of the best teams in the country in regards to getting pressure on the quarterback, and it's really ramped up over the last four or five games. I love what we're seeing from the defensive ends, like Ruben Bain and even Leonard Taylor is coming alive and Branson Dean is showing huge potential, but even Jacob Lichtenstein has made some plays, which is you know really good to see. But if Miami continues to get pressure, I think that they can throw Jordan Travis off. We, we watched Boston College take advantage of them defensively a little bit. At the end, they weren't able to finish them off, but I do think Miami is a better team. So, overall, I think defensively, get pressure, stop the run. You're gonna be, you're gonna have a chance. And then offensively, utilize your two explosive players in AJ Allen and Brashard Smith. Give Mark Fletcher a healthy complement of carries. Utilize the play action game. Get get Xavier Restrepo in space. Maybe get the tight ends involved a little bit because I feel like teams, when they drop eight, are able to take away the outsides, which is where Tyler Van Dyke is usually successful. If Miami can take advantage of teams not worrying about the seams in the middle of the field, they got a chance. Tyler Van Dyke has to expand his game to that, though, because we just haven't seen it. And I feel like that's why the tight ends aren't utilized nearly as much. Because those in-breaking routes, those 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 seam, you know, cover two beaters and uh, right up the middle, things going right up the middle of the defense are not being taken advantage of. And Tyler Van Dyke, for some reason, is scared of making throws uh, near linebackers, which is usually the guys that cover the worst. And when safeties are outside the numbers, <laughs> like yeah. Well, I think. Probably part of the reason why he's scared of that is because he's throwing an Sorry interception. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. I was just going to say part of the reason Marcus, why he's can you hear me? scared. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, part of the reason is because he threw an interception to a linebacker in that North Carolina game. I think he's afraid of those, those middle throws. Uh, Shannon Dawson said something uh, this week that, really kind of resonated with me is that he said, sometimes you just got to let it rip and which kind of gives you pause a little bit because when Tyler Van Dyke does let it rip and it usually results in an in interception. But I, I think Tyler Van Dyke overthinks. He just overthinks uh, his processing. 
sometimes you have to go with you know your, your gut reaction or or you have to make the the quick read and i think he he his mind stutters a little bit when it comes to his processing and that's been his downfall in my opinion yeah i totally agree with you there and like i said if he if he takes advantage of the middle of the field they utilize play action maybe get the tight ends like riley williams involved uh, hope you know maybe a, maybe an a, an appearance from Elijah Arroyo with the catch or something like that, which is Jesus Christ. We we thought he was going to be a the next great Miami tight end, and he's been invisible the entire year. I love McCormick's yeah. Cam McCormick's blocking ability, but come on, let's utilize the athletic guys in this offense. Elijah Arroyo has flashed in the past as one of the most athletic tight ends in the conference, and was one of the best young tight ends in college football. Get him involved. Riley Williams, he's another guy that I know he's not a great blocker yet. He hasn't put on the mask that he needs to as of yet. But he's shown in high school that he was a 1,000-yard receiver. Let's get these guys into space when teams are focusing on Colby Young and Jacoby George and Xavier Estrepo and bracketing him. Let's utilize the guys that teams are not going to game plan for, which is the guys that haven't been used so far. Hope it happens. Yeah, certainly, certainly hope it does happen. Also hope that they can contain Keon Comlin and Johnny Wilson. Uh, these two wide receivers did not play in that Pittsburgh game, and it kind of showed. You know, I feel like Jordan Travis had to, you know, figure it out in that game. This was a close game in that first half until they they figured it out and and pulled away. Um, e- even the final score wasn't overwhelming it but you know they got the w nonetheless last week Jaden davis and daryl porter jr went down with injuries and cristobal downplayed it as he always does frank and i'm not so sure how serious these injuries are both left the game and didn't return the one with uh porter it seemed serious, you know, because he couldn't put any weight on his ankle. And Jaden Davis, uh, you know, it's no telling of, of, of how serious his injury was. First question is, like, do you think it's coach speak or real talk that these guys are fully healthy? Because Miami's going to need these guys against these type of receivers. And if they aren't 100%, how confident do you feel in the Brown brothers? I'm confident in the Brown brothers because Miami has two of the best safeties in the country. And while I love Daryl Porter and I love Jaden Davis, these aren't two guys that came into the season highly touted. I mean, Jaden Davis was supposed to play in the nickel and Daryl Porter was supposed to be the guy on the chopping block, not Devontae Brown. So I think the scheme helps the corners out a lot. Lance, Lance Guidry uh, hasn't done, has, has done a really good job of, of protecting his corners and not allowing big plays in the passing game. They've been more bend, don't break uh, with, with how the passing game has gone. Um, but overall, I, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm more worried about are they going to be able to contain Jordan Travis from getting out, out, getting out of the pocket and making plays with wide-open receivers when, when things break down. So, listen, we've seen – I feel like we've seen more big plays from Cam Kinchins and James Williams messing up in coverage than we really have from the cornerback spot. 
And yes, Devontae Brown has had some troubles with pass interference, but overall, Keon Coleman is probably, from what I was told, that there's a chance that only one of them is going to play this week, which I think could help Miami. And if they both play, we know they're not going to be 100%. So it's not going to be the Keon Coleman that's been lighting up everybody all year, and it's not going to be the Johnny Wilson that dominated college football last season. So I'm not worried. I think that both these guys are going to probably play this week because it's in it's the biggest game of the year. They weren't yeah. major injuries, despite the look of it last week. And we know that this uh, the injury bug hasn't really hit Miami too crazy this year with significant injuries. So I, I think that this training staff is going to do a good job of getting these guys back right. And if Mario Cristobal is not saying that those guys are out, obviously it's not coach speak because unless it's the quarterback position, uh, he's usually – pretty transparent with what's going on uh he, he you know you can kind of read between the lines with him a little bit all right well we'll we'll see how that goes down um instead of like mvps like how we usually name let's talk let's talk x factors you know who, who, who's going to be the x factor for miami to come out of dope with a win right ruben bain Cam can it's it's the same thing each week. If Ruben Bain can can make Jordan Travis's day a nightmare, Cam Kitchens is gonna make plays. They he's been a play, he's been an interception machine over the last two years. He's at double digits. I think that if Miami gets pressure, they can make plays on Jordan Travis. And if Jordan Travis is turning the ball over, it's because of Cam Kitchens. And it's because of Ruin Bain. So I think that those guys are the X factors overall. And then I think on offense, it's Colby Young. Can Colby Young be the guy that is a potential NFL draft pick on the outside? Yes, I want those other guys utilized, Rashard Smith in the slot. I want the tight ends utilized. I want the run game to work. But if Col- every time Colby Young is making huge plays, it brings something to this Miami offense, confidence uh, that – you know, it extends to the quarterback. And we saw it in that game, first game for Emory Williams, right? He had that drop, but then he came back with a huge catch in the middle of the field, right? It, it, I think he caught the touchdown on the fade. When Colby Young is in the zone, Miami is rolling on offense. So I think he's going to be the overall X factor for Miami on that side of the ball. For me on defense – it's James Williams. Uh, I think it, it, James Williams actually had a pretty good game last week, aside from that whiff of the a tackle. Two plays. Yeah, the, 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 the yeah, the unnecessary roughness and, and that and that mid yeah, tackle. That, that, yeah, that too. Uh, other than that, he's been lights out. He's been lights out pretty much this entire season. He has to play at that level. What I what I'm afraid of with Williams is because he's an emotional guy, right? You saw <laughs> yes. the emotion come out. You saw the emotion come out in the last game, a couple games before as well. And this is the emotional game of emotional games <laughs> with Miami against Florida State. Plenty of guys he knows from down here playing in this game. So that's what I worry about. I worry if he can tape, taper his emotions, not have a personal foul, uh, not have a targeting penalty, that type of thing. And he needs to wrap up on his tackles and just be the James Williams that we've seen 
all season. And the other factor for me on defense is Lance Gidry, man. Now, I want him to kind of scheme up some things that are kind of confuse this FSU defense like he's been doing all season. And so I expect to see a corner blitz or or safety blitz or something like that to really kind of, you know, jar things a little bit. So I, I really think his play calling on D is, is going to be the X factor. And for on offense, for me, I mean, aside for whoever's at quarterback, obviously it's, you know, it's a player that, that, you know, we already talked about in this pod and that's Prashard Smith. He needs to get loose here. He needs to get the ball. He needs to get the ball in open spaces and need to see him out of the backfield, man. And if, if we can see, can you imagine a Jakari Brown or Shard Smith and Fletcher in the backfield because they played with the split backs in the in this season. Can you imagine that? I mean that that would be lethal. Like a little, like a little pistol, like a little pistol set triple option type thing with all those right. with all those guys in the backfield. That would be especially in the red zone. If you could utilize that in the red zone, and then you know even like you you put, you do a little play action with the triple, maybe right. you know spill Brashard Smith out into the flats where nobody's covering him. Hey, listen, I, I could see yeah. it. I got the same vision you do. Yeah, a little run-pass option with that would be outstanding. So th- those are my keys. We'll see what happens. Of course, tune in to canescounty.com, part of the Rivals Network, of course, for our predictions uh, later this week. Uh, but let's talk a little high school ball like we do every week here Um playoff time frank so you know tell me what what what's the matchup so who who do we need to be watching i know the first week of the playoffs is usually a boring one uh there's usually no good matchups but the second week the week after that is like every matchup is a great matchup uh but what what should we be looking forward to in south florida high school ball well you're going to be looking for it pretty much every single miami recruit made the playoffs this season so that that's a cool thing to see um you know we saw chris wheatley humphrey rush for over 1900 yards obviously chance robinson and sta are are still rolling at nine and one the chaminade guys you know have a bye week the first week so overall like i think that they got a vaunt guard right so they're gonna put up 70 points in that one um listen you said it the first week is pretty much bye weeks for everybody in south florida um, yeah. I think West Broward and South Dade with Josh Moore, who's a four-star receiver, borderline top 100 prospect against some really good 2026 and 2027 prospects on that 20 on that uh, South Dade team could be an interesting matchup to watch. Um, Colby Young, I mean, uh, Colby Howard, Colby Howard from Western had 300 yards last week and four touchdowns should have had six. He's going up against the Cypress Bay team. That's a rivalry game. Wouldn't be surprised to see him have yet another 200-yard performance. Um, watch out for C.J. Bailey having a huge playoff run and that potentially pivoting Miami uh, to potentially look at him as a second quarterback in this class. Would love to see that happen. Uh, but overall, it, it's the second round that we're waiting for. That Booker T. Washington-Miami Central game is going to be a massive Massive game in South Florida. Uh, Western versus Palmetto with Corey Barney. I would love to see that that battle of Howard versus Barney. Uh, those are going to be two guys going at each other, probably on both sides of the ball as well. Yeah. So uh, there's there's some good games. Norland's got a pretty easy run until they see Central or Booker T in that third round. 
Uh, we're going to see St. Thomas, probably Homestead in that third round. Uh, you know, overall, American Heritage Cardinal Gibbons in that third round. Uh, Columbus is going to play whoever's the winner of that Palmetto Western game. So there's some intriguing matchups. A team to watch for in 3M is when Coconut Creek gets to St. Thomas yeah. Aquinas. I am happy. I want to see that one big time. And a prospect to watch for Coconut Creek is a six foot three, 285 pound defensive tackle. He's a 2025 kid, Namari Brantley. This guy has double digit sacks this year. He has dominated every team they played, even when they went out of town. Uh, to Georgia when they played Gainesville, a top 50 team in the country. Uh, he, he's a guy to watch when they play St. Thomas Aquinas because he's going to be a power five recruit. He got Iowa State uh, a few weeks ago. I think that this offseason is going to be huge for him as he continues to mold his body. He's a former linebacker that transitioned to the defensive trenches, and, and it's been a seamless seamless move for him so uh there's some really good football down here obviously you got to watch for elijah lofton continuing to put up huge numbers every time we turn every time we watch this guy in a game he is making huge plays now he's a guy to watch because texas is on him heavy it was miami versus texas at the end there when he did commit and they are on him and listen miami hasn't utilized the tight end well this year why well, would a kid for him yeah, it is it is an opportunity for him, right? Because if you look at Georgia, it's the same argue, argument I make for everybody. If you watch Georgia before before Brock Bowers came, they never utilized the tight end. All their tight ends that got drafted had like 200 career receiving yards. They were glorified fullbacks and H-backs, and Brock Bowers changed that. Could Elijah Lofton change that at Miami from what he's shown on Friday nights? I believe so. Uh, I hope that Miami is able to keep him in the class. That's a, something to watch. And obviously, Chance Robinson is, is a player to watch. I know we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. Ole Miss obviously had some intriguing comments to him. And, and listen, he's been a guy that teams have been trying to flip over the course of his process. Ohio State, Florida. Now Ole Miss is trying to get in there. I don't think that he flips. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he sticks with Miami. And I know for a fact that – Josiah Trader is going to be a Miami Hurricane when when December comes around. And Nikar is going to be a, a Miami Hurricane when December comes around. So I wouldn't be worried about Miami at the receiver position in this class, even if a chance Robinson were to flip. Because there are other options out there. Drayon Miller, who was a guy who visited Miami this summer, just decommitted from Texas A&M, would not yeah. be surprised to see Miami jump back into that race. And Miami is going to go into the transfer portal this summer or uh, this offseason. Watch for guys. Listen, we posted an article about it. Watch for a Ja'Cory Barney. Watch for a Brandon Ennis. There are a bunch of options that are going to come up. Listen, Keon Coleman wasn't a guy expected to enter the transfer portal, but he did and ended up being a superstar for Florida State. That was an unexpected addition late in the process. So Miami could do the same thing. And listen, Miami's got a really good class, borderline top 10. Uh, there are going to, everybody in the country is going to deal with some attrition. Georgia's dealt with it. Alabama's dealt with it. Ohio State has dealt with it. Ohio State is still possibly dealing with it, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But overall, there's going to be some guys that maybe leave. Overall, I think Miami's going to do a really good job finishing strong over the last month and a half of this cycle. Great stuff. And if they did finish strong, and I 
think that would mean that they would flip some guys. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the running back out of St. Thomas Aquinas possibly flipping to Miami, but it hasn't happened yet. So what are you hearing or what's the latest on him? I still think Miami's got a chance here. I don't think anything is done just yet. If, if it happens, it'll probably take another week or so. Um, I do think he's close to making that decision. Ohio State has taken multiple running backs. And listen, the NIL situation in Ohio State is different than anywhere else around the country. They do not pay their guys early on in the process. And the call to stay home is something that is real for all South Florida prospects. We, we watched it happen with Mark Fletcher, where Miami ended up being a better fit. And I know that it's a strong running back room at Miami right now, but before we know it, it's not going to be Henry Parrish in there anymore. It's not going to be Don Chaney in there anymore. And you're going to be relying on Chris Johnson, A.J. Allen, and Mark Fletcher. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. But in this age of college football, we've watched the success of Georgia. We've watched the success of Alabama. We've watched the success of Ohio State. You have to have a, a wealth of backs. Guys get injured at the position. Mark Fletcher missed time this year already. Missed yeah. time in high school. A.J. Allen broke his collarbone last year. Every running you know, back Chris, has actually missed time. Every running back has missed time. So there's yeah. an opportunity for Jordan Lyle, who is one of the best backs in the country. You and I say it time and time again this year that he's probably the best back in South Florida this year. And I don't think it's a, a crazy thing to say. It's pretty apparent with his ability to break tackles. He's gotten so much faster. And the way he looks physically before even getting into a college weight training program means he's a next level player. And I think that he does end up at Miami. I, I you know, I, we don't make flip predictions here in regards to uh, the, the future cast, but I'm going out on a limit saying that Jordan Lyle will be a Miami hurricane by the time early signing day does come around. All right. Good stuff from Frank Tucker, as always, representing the crib, South Florida. We collectively represent CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to the website. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast on all platforms. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Until the next episode.